0: A multi-vehicle crash with injuries tonight. Contra Costa fires. Fire and paramedics arrived in minutes. Fire department, what's the address of the emergency?
1: Firefighters are working this large brush fire.
2: Commercial structure fire. There's two people inside believe they cannot get out of the house. Deadly
1: crash on Highway 4
2: in Contra Costa County on the way. Crews battled more than 30 fires over 48 hours. The dedicated men and women of Contra Costa County Fire are proud to serve our many communities throughout the county.
0: Forgotten that you are always in our hearts and therefore you will never be forgotten.
3: Alright well we're recording this is between two hydrants. Um, <laughs> It's our uh, Confire podcast. We're on location in Reno, and uh, we have a guest host today. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Greg Sawyer here today, helping out.
3: And if you don't know who Greg is, he's a battalion chief with us, battalion two, yep. C-shift. And I'll let our guests introduce themselves as well.
0: Yeah, my name is Nolan Kim. I'm a performance coach with
1: Tribe. And I'm Keaton Lynn, another co-founder with Tribe and we're happy to be here thanks guys
3: yeah thanks for letting us come up here we've some of our personnel have had some um introduction to you guys at our station four project that we have going on so greg i don't know if you want to talk about that or
2: yeah sure um so uh we've only had that station four program going for a few months here but uh we were lucky to get in contact with uh, Keaton and Nolan through a friend of a friend, basically. Um, our good buddy, Drew Rosner. Shout out, Drew. Yeah, Drew. (laughs) Drew's my hero. (laughs) He went to school uh, with Keaton. And so, um, when we started the station four thing, he called me up and he's like, man, you got to talk to my buddy Keaton. He's doing similar kind of stuff. And I think you guys will be friends. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we, we got in contact and started talking and realized that we both have a passion for trying to help people, uh, to be the best they can be. And we both recognized some problems with people that um, we found like we could find solutions for. And so anyway, um, after we got the station four thing up and running, we had uh, Keaton and Nolan show up and they each spent a half a day on all three shifts, uh, A, B and C shift, uh, kind of showing us what they do and what Tribe Summits, the, their company is all about. Um, so why don't you guys go ahead and describe what you guys did there those days. And it was awesome. Everybody that, that was there had tons of positive feedback. So, um, I think we're that's, all with something.
1: That's awesome to hear. Yeah. We had a lot of fun coming out and spending like three, three half days with, with everyone, um, in a small intimate group and really just kind of teaching them some fundamentals. Um, at try, we kind of focus on the balance of stress and we love using the word "use stress, which literally just translates to good stress um and how to incorporate that into our lives kind of with the goal of decreasing our chronic stress levels, not only in your community, but you know, all of the communities, um, and increasing our stress resilience. So we in everything that we do, and I'll I'll get to what we touched on in a second, but everything we do is based on the five tenets of like attitude, you know, how you approach things, uh the community, uh hence kind of the name that we, we took on here. Forming and uh forming good habits being outside in nature, and then having that resilience piece, just with everything you do, and, and try to make a better life for not only ourselves but everyone around us. So we focus on the core uh, of Tribe when we came down there of breath work, uh, which is you know a fundamental that uh, we think is not touched on enough. Uh, ice baths, cognitive fitness, and saunas. Um, doing that in a half day is is a lot of fun. It's a lot a lot going on. Um, you know, one Uh, Led a lot of the science behind it, uh, did a lot of the breathwork classes, and throwing people in an ice bath is always a good time because you get kind of (laughs) these various reactions. So we talked through that, how to do it appropriately, you know, the kind of attitude you take in, how your mindset affects that, and the actual physical outcome um, of your mindset when you're in the ice bath. Challenging people with some cognitive fitness tools, which literally could be games for, you know, built for a three-year-old, but testing the mind under the stress um, it translates very well to your community, obviously, uh, and then finishing kind of around with a sauna sauna session. A lot of good scientific benefits on sauna, especially within your community, and what it does not only for the physical side, but the mental side as well, so we had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, a lot of what we had to do, what Keaton shared with the breathing and the sauna on the ice, really had to do with decreasing stress levels, uh, just coming down from work, uh, any work, and I think firefighters particularly have some stressful schedules and so just yeah how do you overall be healthy decrease stress improve that uh, mental health and uh, get a good night's sleep whenever you guys uh, have the opportunity to get that
1: it's kind of a cool unique niche that we have because we're not necessarily the fitness side right like everyone focuses on fitness which is amazing we need it in our lives Um, there's a focus on the wellness piece just you know the meditation yoga things like that um, and there is a focus on like the mental health side, but they're they're kind of all separate. And so we situate ourselves within that health performance kind of attitude, where we not only you know re- try to reduce those stress levels that everyone talks about, but to show you that increased stress just within our daily life is so important. Um, you know,
2: with things that you could see, but on the cellular level as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fire service we always like to talk to our call ourselves you know, professional athletes or tactical athletes and so we're pretty good at focusing on the physical fitness side of things, you know, we all have a gym in each station, we work out almost every day, you know, most most days we uh most crews for the most part <laughs> for the most part eat pretty healthy food, you know, compared to the general public anyways, and uh so we got those things pretty well figured out. It took a few years. We weren't always this way in the fire service, you know, years ago. Um the IFF brought, you know, physical fitness uh, in the hour and a half that we're trying to do every day to, to us. And, and now it feels like the next frontier is kind of the mental health side of things. And that's the big uh, hole in our game right now that we're not focusing on very well as a fire service community. And that's kind of where the whole Station 4 thing started from and where you guys fit in is to show us all the things we don't understand about how to take care of ourselves mental health-wise and um, how to perform at our peak mental health-wise under stress. So
3: it's interesting because we do have a very young workforce right now that is very fit and athletic. And a lot of guys have come guys and girls have come from the military. We have a big group. We have a lot of uh, personnel that have had some college athletics there. They are there are athletes out there and they work very, very hard for long durations of time or have short bursts of having to work real hard, and then a quick break, and then back into it. It has changed a lot since uh, Greg and I got hired here. Um, But we were talking earlier about how the other side of the coin is not addressed. That's kind of the stuff that we want to talk about. And we've talked a lot over the last year in developing, and Greg's been the force behind this, Greg and Chief Lutzow have been the force behind this, station four initiative the rest cycles that we need the better sleep we need to to get the nutrition all that stuff is really becoming forefront not just in our department but i think across the country
2: it's becoming more of an an important aspect of the job yeah and that's the part of the culture that we're trying to you know change is that right now fire service culture it's a service right you serve others um Service before self, these are all things we talk about and say and do, uh, but that can be a problem if you don't ever take care of yourself, you're eventually going to break down and fall apart. And like I said earlier, the diet, we're okay with that. The the physical fitness, we're okay with that. Um, But our culture just kind of prevents us from taking care of ourselves mental health-wise. There's like a stigma attached to it for some reason that we're trying to change, Um, and you know, it's easy, it's easy for us to recognize physical stress with a broken bone or something like that, but it's hard for us to recognize mental stress, you know, and, like a broken brain, right? Until it's too late, until it's later in your life when you have Parkinson's or dementia or something crazy. So yeah, that's where you guys come in to try to help us prevent those injuries that are festering within. And even though you're a young stud that played college ball or whatever, we've hired up and you think you're bulletproof, um, you know... Living a career of 20, 30 plus years of having yourself come last is eventually going to really injure you. So,
0: yeah, I think that's, uh, uh, we were just talking about this earlier, but the analogy I use most of the time is uh, any service industry. I've been in the service industry, is if you think about being on an airplane, right? They tell you, oh, you put your oxygen mask on first before you help a kid or elder or anyone else around you, right? And so, we're actually better when we take care of ourselves uh, and we can actually help more people when we take care of ourselves. And that doesn't have to take a lot more time, I think. We can do it during everyday things and who knows, just little things that and habits that we do, you might be able to get that person um, in the burning building that other people won't just because of some um, habits you build, you know. I think, um, I mean, the mental health thing is, uh, yeah, that's... One, I think it's awesome that you guys are are doing something like this. I mean, I think it's just forward thinking, and uh, a lot of people aren't doing it. Uh, mental health, like you said, is like not, you know, it's kind of that silent thing that people aren't paying attention to. And even with all the diet and stuff, like, you know, if you're not if you're stressed, at your body, even if you're eating healthy is not processing those nutrients properly so like you're not getting the most out of the other healthy habits you're doing if you're not breathing healthy if you're not incorporating good stress in a good way and then I mean uh, mental health for firefighters in particular and third shift workers is uh, it's the sleep right you guys have some messed up sleep schedules just based on the job and that's you know that's a part of the job and there's intentional ways to to sort of fix those and nurse those, especially in quality while you're on shift. And then how do you step down when you're um, coming home? But my wife's a psychologist and uh, almost like all mental health issues, like 80, we're talking 80, 90% are influenced by lack of sleep. And so, Like, whatever it is, if we can fix your sleep, you're significantly going to decrease the symptoms you're experiencing and or sometimes go away completely, which is wild. And then we do the ice bath stuff, and there's a ton of research on ice baths being super good for depression and anxiety and all sorts of different things. Yeah,
2: I'd never played in an ice bath before until you guys came to Station (laughs) 4. Holy cow, man. Uh, I'm seriously looking right now for a chest freezer cuz it changed my it changed my life it was incredible
3: he's I, trying to get me to go to tahoe city on the way back and cram this you
2: guys shit yeah.
1: Yeah. just jump in the lake yes. yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
3: no he wants to go to Tahoe City to buy an ice chest that uh-huh. he found oh, nice. like a freezer nice. he's telling of... me this whole story about <laughs> <Yeah>. ozone and <laughs> oh, all this stuff he's uh, got, I, to, I, 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 got sure.
0: a, I got some stuff for you if you guys want to build it out like, but uh, yeah
2: for those who have never experienced it let me just give you my two cents of what I felt uh I felt like I couldn't stop smiling for six hours after that ice bath experiment. And uh, they say your your dopamine goes through the roof like two and a half times or something, they say.
3: Yeah. I thought it was just Greg, (laughs) but this is a real thing.
1: It's, no,
2: it's, yeah, I think
1: in six hours is pretty much the, the number per se on your dopamine levels after the ice bath. And it kind of varies in temperature and time, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, they say it's like, do it a line of cocaine or something, and it's sure. a healthy, a healthier version of yeah, that, for right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. and that's what we're trying to, to, to teach our folks is how to find healthy ways to uh, alleviate that stress. So, like, when when a firefighter gets stressed out, they often turn to unhealthy ways to spike dopamine quickly, which right. for me was always alcohol, right, or doing a crazy extreme sport type thing or something but um the ice bath can replace that the sauna can replace that and can become a way more healthier version to get that dopamine hit compared to taking a couple shots of whiskey you know what i mean
1: yeah for sure um and i think it could be cool too just we could start with you know what we did with you guys first and we can just maybe take it one topic at a time yeah um either starting with ice um and then just kind of move through like breath and sauna um but then i think sleep is going to be a big one like no one was just saying uh, and then slowly kind of move into some other stuff that we haven't even played with yet. I think that could be a, probably an advantage to, to some of the listeners. Right on. Um, so would you just start with ice, I guess, since we're already talking about it. But yeah, ice baths, whether they're natural or, or in a chest freezer or a tub or an ice barrel or what have you, um, the benefits are fantastic. And um, we want to focus like, there's a lot of challenges out there. There's all the you know the alpha community and the fire community, law enforcement, what have you. Um, it's about duration, and that's not the case. Um, we don't advocate for you know beating your buddy. I think when we walked <laughs> into your station, there is already like a it sounds you know, about a, right a, a ten minute limit competition going on, and um, it's not about the duration. So it's it's even going to vary day to day, person to person, um, temperature to to time in the water so you can look at it if even if you're having a more stressful day or a least stressful day that time is going to change Um, typically for reference an an ice bath that you're in we could just use 32 degrees you know at the bottom and about 60 degrees at the top that's where your body gets that induced shock of the system um, from the cold and you can you know increase the duration the higher temperature you go so a general rule of thumb just for reference is like 60 degree water is somewhere around like the 12 minute mark, something like that. But again, it's general rule of thumb, and then you decrease that with like 30 to 2 degree water, two minutes, something like that. Um, but again, if you're stressed that day, that could be a minute. It doesn't have to be um, a certain time frame. And yeah, you know, sure, certain benefits come in. Like there's you know some dopamine studies that say if you sit in for three minutes, that's where you kind of get that six hours, things like that. But um, it is, it is kind of phased out, but we want to, you know, approach it positively. Like we don't want to approach the ice bath saying like, I have to do this. This is going to suck. And I'm going to stick in for three minutes. Like you're creating that, um, association with the ice bath is something that's not fun. So what we want to do is approach it. This is good for me. I'm excited to do this. I get to do this however i stay in or however long i stay in that's going to be a win for today maybe it's not as long as yesterday or, or the day before and that's totally fine but it's just the consistent step of getting in and approaching it you know positively where it creates that that association of this is good for me and this is why um and then maybe some of the benefits of why.
0: Yeah, i mean it's really about doing something that's healthy for you and so i mean we don't do the same workout every day right and so you wouldn't do the ice the same way you mentioned the broken bone thing and the mental health stuff you know stress is our brains actually can't tell the difference between a physical injury and a mental injury like experience your brain experiences and reacts the same chemically to physical stress as it does emotional stress so if you you know play that out if you're emotionally stressed at work cortisol and all those things that would naturally come out as if you were physically injured are going to be um, flowing in your bloodstream and so um, that's where the ice bath is, is going to come in to help um, decrease some of that stuff yeah
2: that's something that's been eye-opening to me is I'm wearing this whoop strap now that we've been using to yeah. try to, try to collect some data on all the Station 4 stuff. And the other day, I had great sleep. I didn't work out at all. And I had great sleep for two or three nights in a row before. But I got in an argument with somebody, and we had a heated debate for a good 20 minutes. And in the end, I did not get my way. (laughs) And it pissed me off. And even though I had no physical stress at all, my WHOOP score, I was horrible. My recovery was like 20%, or even in the teens, I think, just because of the fact that I had that mental stress. Totally. And so, even if you're not at the busy station or getting your butt kicked physically, you know, you're working a desk or you've got mental stress at home or whatever, that's where those those ice baths and those other things that you guys do can really help. And I know with your um, retreats that you guys do, a lot of times it's corporate folks and stuff that don't necessarily have a super physically demanding career or lifestyle. but the mental side is, like I said, once again, the thing that we're not focusing on enough in the fire service and you guys totally get.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think some of the benefits of the ice bath, just to recap, you get an immune system boost, which is super awesome. You know, anytime you have less than six hours of consecutive sleep, your your immune system's taking a toll, you know, and so that's why actually... The uh, WHL classifies third shift workers as a potential carcinogen uh, because it significantly decreases your NK um, immune cells that kill cancer, actually the natural killers, and so that's where the ice bath comes into play to counteract some of that stuff. Just by nature of your work, right, you have to do that, but we can boost your immune system and white blood cells with Uh, Just a two-minute ice bath, Uh right? Um, You can uh, naturally decrease stress, super good for recovery from from fitness, You, you know, hormone balance, right? That dopamine Keaton was talking about. And uh, just you feel good. I always say, you know, it's always all smiles after the ice bath. You know, no guarantee (laughs) what your face is doing beforehand. Yeah, Uh, but it's always, always good smiles afterwards when you get out. You just feel like you conquered the world, right? Yeah,
2: it's crazy. You mentioned the the cancer, which has just leapfrogged up into the number two position now. Killer of firefighters. It's you know, heart heart problems. You know, first. Uh, cardiovascular issues that kills the most of us and then after that now number two is cancer and number three is suicide which is crazy but now the ice bath could definitely help with number two and number all, three all, all three very and, linked all, to sleep all three uh, yes yeah. very linked there's a to lot sleep. of common threads with th- sleep and that's kind of what got this whole ball rolling in the first place is my personal experience with lack of sleep for a couple decades at busy firehouses and then getting promoted to battalion chief and getting a lot more sleep and going holy crap This is what I'm supposed to feel like. This is incredibly, (laughs) I had no idea. It blew my mind and kind of got this whole thing started But at Station 4. But um, I kind of had like a post-traumatic growth moment personally when I discovered that. And now we're trying to discover more things. We've gone down the rabbit hole. With mental health and and now the ice bath is the new shiny toy that all the firefighters are trying to build at their firehouses. And <laughs> we recognize that you know we've got like four or five guys right now fighting yeah. cancer in our organization. Yeah, and uh, if this is a tool that we can use, like we got saunas long ago to uh, to help supposedly with decon and and to help decontaminate after a fire. Sure, you know this could be a routine thing that we do to prevent Super cancer. Good.
0: There's there's some research going on in the Wim Hof world actually on. Um, ice baths and cancer specifically that's kind of interesting since you brought it up where uh, they're finding that ice bath because to keep your body warm uh, your body chews up glucose cancer feeds on glucose and so what they're finding is it doesn't cure cancer or anything uh, so don't hear me saying that uh, but what they're showing is it significantly like stunts the growth of cancer cells because it's starving them. Uh, because your body chews up that glucose in the cold, which is pretty cool yeah. for just sitting in some cold water.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the other things too is like the cold shock proteins that come from the ice bath too. So, um, I'm not gonna like dive into the the science on it because I'll probably screw it up. But essentially, it's like if if you can build those up, it's it's a stressor, right? And the stressor. Makes our cells work more efficiently. If they're able to work harder, you know, they don't take the break. They're not relaxing, right? And when they do, those cancer cells take over and it's easy for them. And so if our cells are working harder and how they're supposed to, producing the right amounts of um, ADP and things like that, we can try to prevent the metastasization, is that a word, of the cancer cells um, in our bodies too. So even long term, not just from that, you know, six hour dopamine hit. it's going to be beneficial. And then one of the other things too is is timing. So, uh Instagram's blowing up with just people jumping in ice baths, you know, and sometimes they're super late at night. Um and that's probably not the best way to do that. So, just a quick hit on timing is um you know, sometime in the morning uh or or afternoon is, or excuse me, early afternoon is probably the best for an ice bath. Um, and you can kind of play that around your workouts too. Like I know physical fitness is already a a key advocate within the department and obviously movement just in general is probably the easiest and best thing that you can do. But if you can time your ice baths according to your workouts or according to your day, it's gonna have more benefits too. So try to prevent an ice bath like four to five hours prior to bedtime, because we want our bodies to be cooling down as we go to sleep. And if we're cold, you know, that's going to force our core temperature to go down. And so what's going to happen is our body temp is going to rise to compensate, which is the opposite of what we want. And so you'll probably see um, poor sleep that night rather than the sleep that you're you're hoping for.
3: To use Greg's analogy, you probably wouldn't do a bump of Coke and then try to go to bed. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's... Uh, yes. Uh, yes and, the uh, good and we're not advocating uh,
1: no. any no. drugs in yes. this, no. this particular podcast, but yes.
2: <laughs> you know, one other thing you mentioned when you came by and taught us how to use that thing properly... Because I just bought the Tupperware and bought the smoke, uh ice machine. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Thank God you came to save us from ourselves. But um, <laughs> one of the things you mentioned was that not only do you have to tell yourself, this is good for me, this is healthy, I get to do this, I'm lucky, and then you go in with that positive mindset, and that will evoke a positive physical reaction to that stress. But you also said that um, you need to control your physical self, your breathing as you go in, because if you just jump in and start going oh oh, 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 oh my god you know your your body's going to go oh shoot something's wrong they're breathing out of control fast hyperventilating this is stressful scary and your body's going to react in a a negative way so talk talk to us about how we're supposed to control our breathing if we if we play in the cold
0: yeah the uh, i mean breathing we i say calm body right you got to give memory calm mind calm breathing um is what i say and our breathing is just hardwired to our, our central nervous system. And so um, most of the time we're not thinking about our breathing, right? Uh, it's just automatic. Um, but what happens is every emotional state has a specific breathing pattern. And most of the time something happens that causes us to start breathing a certain way and then we have an emotional experience of whatever it is happening, right? So you think about getting a cold tub of ice, right? It's, you kind of get taller, right? <laughs> and have start breathing shallowly and quickly. Like even if you start hyperventilating right now, like your anxiety level will begin to rise. That's just like comes with the breathing style, you know? And so when we, what I taught you guys was like breathing deep, ideally through our nose, right? Breathing into your stomach, filling your stomach first. Um, your shoulders shouldn't rise at all and get that full breath down um, into your stomach, breathing with your diaphragm and then a long, slow exhale. So anytime we have a long slow exhale that's gonna de-stress us ice is cold water is just a stressor a physical stress and so if you're breathing in a de-stress way in a physical stress you're you start to it becomes easier at some point right mm-hmm. and so uh you're you're telling your brain that you're safe it's really confused your brain's really confused at what's going on when you're breathing that way because you're like we're in a stress Uh, but that's why it builds new neural pathways really through that process in order to relate to stress and challenges differently that's why your overall stress levels uh, a big part of it decrease over time because now your brain encounters other stressful things outside of the ice bath and they're like oh we know how to breathe we know what to do here and so a lot of people do something challenging or after one ice bath just because their brain learns to make new associations with it and so any calm breathing with a long, slow exhale, great before bed, coming off shift, sitting in your car before you get home for five minutes, you know, breathing, trying to fall asleep. It's going to help downregulate your body and get you ready for sleep.
1: Yeah, even like so in the first 30 seconds, of the ice bath too is really your emotional response. And so, uh, you know, for someone who's never done it, maybe there's some circumstances where they just get in, oh my gosh, this is really cold and just hop out. Um, that emotional response kind of dies down a little bit after that 30 seconds and you kind of settle in and it certainly makes it easier when the water is not, um, uh, rotating or, you know, it's a fresh river, uh, cause your body creates that little thermal layer to keep you warm. Um, but then you kind of really calm into that state. So the sooner that you can do that using the breath work, um, in the beginning, the, the more benefits that you're going to have as well.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if we want to move to breath work a little bit now, sure. um, something that I remember stood out to me when you guys came down is Nolan, you were talking about you know, mouth breathers versus nose breathers. And you said, if you breathe through your mouth, your stress level on a score of like zero to 10, 10 being the worst is like baseline at six, just because you're breathing through your mouth, your brain for some reason feels threat or something and mouth breathing puts you at a six at all times. And so then if some minor little issue happens, uh, you automatically jump to an eight and you start throwing things and cussing. <laughs> If you breathe through your nose, your base level stress is way, way, way less and you're able to absorb more outside, external issues and not blow your top. You wanna to talk about that a little? Yeah, yeah, it just really has to, I sort of just made up those numbers, okay. there's no research no, on no, that. but it feels but it just right. in general, yeah,
0: it just the, the science I know and working with people, uh, breathing through your mouth is naturally gonna increase your respiratory rate, so how many breaths you take per minute. Uh, Most uh, Westerners are probably around 20 breaths per minute, which is a lot. I think the average is 16.7. Yeah, it's a lot. Between 14 and 20 is kind of the average, but that is a very specific number. Uh, But anything, I mean, we're born breathing this way. Ideally, we want to be breathing six breaths a minute. Wow. So we're looking at over two and a half, like double, right? Double and a half, right? 150%, I think increase over right and so that's telling our body we need to be ready for something to like Stress tells our body we need to be ready to like protect ourselves or something like that And so that's why it makes sleep um, harder because your body it's you're in your most vulnerable state when you're sleeping, right? And so your if your body thinks you need to be protecting yourself, it's gonna sleep with one eye open, you know, and so um, yeah, breathing through your mouth just naturally increases the respiratory rate because you typically breathe into your chest. And so, um, yeah, that's that's what uh, the big part of breathing through um, your mouth. And so that naturally increases stress. I talked about breathing being connected to your central nervous system. So you start breathing more frequently. Stress, anxiety, those emotions are associated with that, you know. And so... Do you know if
3: you're... If your respiratory rate goes down when you're asleep, are you way slower? Are you at that six?
0: It typically naturally slows down during your sleep, whatever your baseline is. Uh, I I haven't ever seen it be 6 in sleep, not even mine, and I do a lot of work on that. And mine's still high, too,
1: and we're not perfect by any means. But if we're even using our trackers, which can be accurate, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, it does drop a little bit from I mean your resting heart rate, I think your slowest heart rate is at um four in the morning, i think it 's about two hours mm-hmm. before you wake up, yeah, yeah. so um but and, and so maybe like because that you 're getting that constant cortisol drip too, so it 's just like it 's just constantly just <clears throat> dripping and just thinking like a, all the time, yeah, and so you 're always on, and that 's obviously a thing with you guys too is you if you 're always on, then your sleep 's going to be you know not as great and your breath work is gonna, or your breath just in general is gonna be faster, and it's just, it's like this exaggerated snowball, um, and just through the years, that, that's gonna grow. Um, so, And real quick, like, some mechanics is if, if you breathe through your nose, um, it's it's a filter. Your nose is a filter. You got the nose hairs, you got the, you know, everything that the mucus is going on in there, and it goes up, warms the air uh, with the blood vessels that are just, you know, right there in the cartilage, and um it hits this like giant ball it's like cue ball space in your head of nitric oxide Um, nitric oxide helps the facilitation of gas exchange between o2 and co2 and so if it goes in through my nose hits that down and i breathe in slower the slower i breathe the actual more oxygen that i intake and so even if you were to do like a deep breath now you can just tell through your nose of how slow and how warm the air is versus your mouth and then if you exhale it's the same thing. If I exhale through my nose, it's gonna be much more you know, or much longer and exaggerated, whereas like a mouth would be a and it's faster and so it just increases that rate. Um and what no one was talking about like using the belly or the diaphragmatic breathing is, you know, your the largest portion of your lungs are the lower part of your lungs, right? If you can think of um Maybe like a pear shape, right? It's kind of skinnier at the top, wide down below. Is is each lung, and all the alveoli sit at the bottom, just kind of think because of gravity. Yeah, and And, blood flows naturally lower. Yeah, because of gravity. So if you chest breathe, you're not going to get that whole portion of your lung. And so there's you know many names, but the the diaphragmatic breathing, 360 breathing, Mm -hmm. but just breathing with your torso um, and using. filling up all of your lungs and slowing it down. It's all these benefits are just like added on top of each other. Whereas if I'm breathing just with my shoulders, not only am I doing, I think no one says like 20,000 shrugs a day, um, but it's just super inefficient, um, making you on all the time. And so the, the breath can calm you down. And depending on which protocol you use during the day, prior to a call, um, prior to sleep, you know we can change the way that our, our body reacts because um, it's the only thing that's automatic but we can control in the system um, and it controls you know each inhale right it's the sympathetic movement my heart rate increases and then each exhale is parasympathetic or the you know um, digest rest and digest uh, part of the nervous system and so it goes and calms our breath down our heart rate slows so every time we breathe
2: yeah you know That was the second big shiny object you guys brought to us. It was the breath work at Station Four. It was the second big, you know, blind spot we don't have figured out yet in the fire service, and at least for me personally, I've never done any breath work ever in my life. Yeah, and I think most of the folks in the room probably felt that way as well. That we're at Station Four, and some of them were kind of thinking, "Oh, this is hippy dippy stuff. This is, you know, pixie dust. I don't need this." But every single one of us, at the end, we all had our minds blown, and we're like, "Whoa!" this is really powerful and that balance that sympathetic parasympathetic we don't have a good balance we're always in stress mode we're always on and this breathing techniques that you guys taught us really helped us to like trick our brains into going into that rest and digest mode which is something we're not doing enough of we're not balanced in that way and so um can you maybe talk about the breath work techniques and and when and where specifically and how to use that to calm down and to, you know, whether it's to help yourself go to bed or help yourself when you pull in the driveway at home before you go in with the family and and try to It really
3: is life-saving. I mean, I I honestly think about eight, nine, 10 years ago, my stress level was through the roof and that was one technique that I had just by searching the internet. Like I need something, it was box breathing. That's awesome. And I still will use that. I could feel myself starting to get anxious, stressed out, whatever. And I will have a physical manifestation of that, if you will. At first I thought, I'm having a heart attack, I'm gonna die. And uh, I recognize it now and I start using those techniques, the one technique, and it actually, It, it works. It chills me out big time and makes me, I think there's a bunch of things happening. None of this is scientific in my mind, but I'm focusing on my breathing and not so much of a, I'm focusing on whatever that issue is. So it's starting to take my mind off of that. And then I'm sure there's
1: some physiological thing happening that I'm clueless about, but so good. A thousand (laughs) percent. Yeah. Um, I think there was even like a recent study that looked at like five minutes of breath work. Um, was either as beneficial or more beneficial than I think 30 minutes of meditation. But it's the same concept because all you can think about, especially in box breathing, cause I can't count anyways. So if I can only count to four consistently, you know, box breathing for references, inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold at the bottom for four seconds, and you just make a box with your breath. Um, but that's all you can focus on, so your brain can't go anywhere else, or else you're gonna screw up the protocol. Uh, so it's it's not only beneficial because you're staying like sympathetic or parasympathetic, excuse me, but um, you're you're just focused only on that, which is, is super beneficial. Um, and then before, I think no one wants to hit on some protocols specifically for times a day and stuff, but the you reference like the hippie type, you know, breathwork stuff, um, and I think that was certainly a stigma, but. The way that we kind of navigate that around, um, you know, tactical athletes, operators, whomever, uh, you're seeing it in the tier one, like military communities as well. And they're just absolutely loving it. They're seeing the benefits. They're more efficient. um, And they have a lot of the same problems, that kind of operator syndrome that you're seeing too. But they're doing it and they're incorporating it.
2: You said, you said a word, sorry to interrupt, yeah. operator syndrome. Can you talk about what that is? Because I see it in our people sometimes. Can you share that? Yeah.
1: So it's, it's kind of this um, general kind of term that we've used, I think, for um, military operators, uh, law enforcement, firefighters, um, and even, you know, like the medical community, nurses, doctors, who have, A, you're looking at these weird schedules um, where we're not, having a pure time sleep, you know, we don't necessarily have a set wake and sleep time. Uh, it's high risk environments, high stress environments, uh, sometimes life or death scenarios. And it's the constant go, 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 where you lose the routine, lose the timing, and you don't know how to decompress. And it is it goes back to that constant drip of cortisol and constant like on switch, and we don't have the off switch and so all that adds up and that leads to those not only short-term scenarios like you had mentioned alcohol or drugs or whatever that coping mechanism is but then the long term which we don't really recognize as immediate um, the ptsds the additions on the tbi the anxiety the depression um, even links to like the neurodegenerative diseases long term so this kind of syndrome within these communities of the constant go is short term and long term and people aren't really focusing on that. And there's no like, um, like quantitative looking at, you know, it's all hearsay. It's all the mental side, like, oh, you're just being weak or you can't handle it. Um, and, that, and that's not really the case. What about
2: Testosterone.
1: Yeah, that's another good one. Is um, RT levels are dropping um, not only generationally. Um, I think, like in 1970s or 80s, someone's probably going to correct me, but I think the average was like a thousand. Uh, what's the testosterone um, metric? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
0: uh, nanograms, I think. Uh, yes, it was like sitting at a thousand or something.
1: Uh, I think the average right now for males is like 450, 500.
2: And that's operator syndrome type symptoms. You know, you go all yeah. the time, you never rest, and you start falling apart. And that's one of the measurable things, for sure, that you can see. From and
1: that. it's like, and then what happens if the T levels not only in males, right, but but females too? Like females have testosterone levels, um, but it's the recovery, the sleep, the it's it's all one big picture. Um, yeah, so I I hope that it kind of explains the, the general basis of what it is. But um, so using such a simple thing as our foundational breath to go and do things um, is so key. Uh, One of my favorite examples is, if you look at a baby under five and a half years old, they will be breathing perfectly. Um, They've looked at five and a half, I think in a few different studies, and they looked at that age is typically when, like, you know, what, kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten, first grade right there, um, where you start sitting in chairs. Um, and so prior to that, they're on the ground, they're crawling, they have no concept of, you know, me, us teaching us how to breathe, right? They just do it completely naturally. Um, like I literally did an experiment and I was Drew Rosner, we were talking about earlier, had just had twins and they were perfectly breathing, you know, diaphragmatic breasts, some of was rising, some of it was falling, it was beautiful. Um, and then that after that five and a half age is, we start to see habits sitting in chairs, um, and a lot of things that affect that. And then it goes back to this kind of chest breathing, mouth breathing
0: um, type of, of uh, bad habits. I mean, yeah. Pro- also, processed food will start naturally. Sure. Yeah. Have you breathe through your mouth because your body's trying to offload acid, carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, Dr. Balisa, um, she wrote a book called Breathing for Warriors, specific for like high-performer athletes. And I mean, I think there's a lot of physical involved in firefighting and so uh, I love she gives us example of she's one of the certification I went through a certification program she's great she's brilliant and um, she talks about if you're, if you're an athlete and not training your breathing you're, it's like you're sleeping on a mattress of money and you don't even know it you know like you think about the work that athletes do and the, the work you guys put into your your workouts and different things it takes a lot of work to move the needle Right, especially as we get older. Um, whereas breathing, it's it's one of those big steps. Like that, you when you make those big steps when you're first learning a new skill, it's a major big step for very pretty minimal time investment. So, um, I I think that's uh, a pretty cool reason <laughs> to incorporate um, the breathing. But yeah, like Keaton was saying, yeah, that she always talks about breathing. Unlike any other, I think habit that we're trying to create. It's something our body used to do perfectly. And so our body used to do it that way. Our body wants to breathe this way. So really it's kind of about reminding our body and reawakening those neural pathways of how we used to breathe when we were kids. And so, um, it's unique in that way in training other habits. Yeah. And here's an easy, and we, I know we skipped on
1: protocols. We'll get there. I promise. Um, but here's an easy example too. That's relatable. It's, um, it started the first time I, you know, kind of referenced it was Hicks and Gracie wrote a book, I think it's called Breathe, um, and his brother, I believe, literally taped him up in like a roll of carpet <laughs> because he had lost, I think, his first match, and I believe that was the only fight that he's ever lost since then. Um, but he rolled him up in a piece of carpet and like left him in there for an hour, I think is the, is the story, because he was so constrained and he wanted to learn how to breathe within that tight, constrained space. Um, and then he, he took it and advanced it from there. Um, and then, you know, if I'm a firefighter and I'm crawling through a smoking building with my SCBA on, and I have all these things, it's the same type of concept, right? If I start having an emotional response during the situation, then my breathing is going to increase, right? I wanna have the emotional response during training. I wanna have the emotional response where in that controlled environment, where I'm so prepared that I don't have an emotional response there. It's just, you know, boom, done. I know what I'm doing, and my breathing stays the same. I can, you know, save a buddy, save myself, stay on the air longer, etc. Right? Um, and Dr. Belisa talks about it too, just with like, within fighters, is you know, especially jujitsu. If someone's on top of me, knee in the chest, um, can I control my breathing in that stress state? Where you know, can I use a different quadrant? You know, she describes it as like you know, you got four quadrants. Um, top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, both on your front stomach side, and then your back. Can I use those different areas to breathe? Can I breathe with one lung? You know, can I evolve myself to look at this foundational piece that we've completely skipped over, um, and then relate that to my specific job, whether it's fighting, firefighting, um, you know, have a, a bulletproof vest on, whatever that may be. Right, it's all constrained. just think of a bulletproof vest if i'm working with my shoulders working with my um, neck it's going to be all constrained where if i can know how to breathe with that on i'm going to be much more efficient with anything that i'm doing
0: so to hit some protocols full circle (laughs) the uh some breathing protocols what i went over with you guys at the station was uh, first and foremost is breathing how to breathe properly right Uh, all day every day that's going to have the biggest impact on your health, more than how you work out, more than on the job, but how you breathe all day, every day, and during sleep was the biggest thing. So we taught the proper mechanics, which is ideally in and out of the nose and breathing into your, with your diaphragm, right? Your diaphragm flattens, and uh, your midsection gets wider, right? Your stomach typically comes out, and uh, that's breathing diaphragmatically. So getting that full, deep, healthy breath super efficient, um, and ideally, we're breathing like that a majority of the day, right, even at sleep. And so if just, I mean, those of you listeners out there right now, just check how you're breathing right now. If your mouth is open right now, just take notice of that, you know, and, um, you know, maybe try breathing through your nose the rest of the podcast here. And as far as sleep goes, I mean, there's special sleep tape you can use to help retrain your brain to breathe through your nose during sleep. It's not duct tape. They're special, just light medical tape (laughs) that helps you sleep. You'll sleep deeper and better. You can track this on on your whoop band there. Um, But yeah, it's just some simple tape. If your mouth is dry or you know you snore or drool, you're breathing through your mouth at some point during the night. And so uh, that's step one we taught you guys. And then we ran you guys through a few different protocols um, we ran into through something called the Wim Hof Method, developed by a Dutch guy, Wim Hof. He's probably the most famous in the breathwork arena, um, known as the Iceman. There's a goop lab on him, some documentaries. Um, but that's a specific breathing method that you can Google, it's on YouTube. He has an app, um, and it's specifically to uh, just de-stress, also boost your immune system. That's not something you would do all day every day that one's a little bit more like an exercise and so it's a good stress but we can overdo good stresses right just like workout you don't work out every day so that one's a good one to do in the morning midday if you're having that midday slump on energy and need a little pick-me-up it's good to do there Uh, you wouldn't do it more than a couple times a day and because you can get lightheaded doing it because it's a lot of extra breathing you do it in a safe space right not driving not in water uh, or around sharp pointy objects um, you're laying down or sitting in a soft space preferably for that one uh, we did that one i think all the guys really love that one you feel pretty zen after that one yeah and then uh ran you guys through it's also super good for pain and different things people have back pain and stuff right a lot of going touching back on the mouth breathing thing a lot of shoulder back pain and headaches come from mouth breathing right And so actually over breathing, which our mouth typically causes, if you talk a lot for a job like I do, you naturally have to breathe through your mouth. Um, And actually breathing more doesn't actually bring more oxygen to our cells. It brings less usually to go, without going super deep into the science, it's because we need carbon dioxide to offload oxygen to our cells. That's why breathing through our nose, Keaton alluded to, it raises those carbon dioxide levels naturally because it's a smaller space. And so we can utilize more oxygen breathing less actually, which typically happens through our nose. Um, then I run you guys through a couple of de-stressful breathing, the box breathing, right? We yep. you, uh, you mentioned you doing the box yeah. breathing. So we did four. You could do any number as long as all the numbers are the same, you know. So uh, you could do all five, in for five, hold for five, out for five, hold for five whatever number works for you the the thing with the box breath though is it's supposed to be a de-stressful breathing right so if whatever number you choose even if it's four if that becomes like too difficult or stressful at any point no longer a de-stressful breathing right, right. so i know i see a lot of sleep protocols doing a seven second box sometimes that's hard for people that haven't done a seven second box is hard that hasn't done especially with the lungs empty is a hard one for people
1: yeah i've seen the seven triangle which is a good one i think xpt came out with like the 777 which is essentially you skip the bottom hold Hmm. which is helpful um and I, i think one of the ones um i did at the end was uh i don't know who coined the name actually but it's like combat breathing essentially it's good for keeping you calm and alert uh, or keeping you calm, but alert enough to perform the job at hand. And it's just three seconds in, in through the nose, your natural kind of one-second pause at the top, and then a six-second exhale uh, through the mouth uh, yeah, with no pause at the bottom.
2: That's kind of what we were doing in the, in the cold plunge, was that something to that. Yeah, cold yeah. plunge. You could use
1: that one in the cold plunge. And I felt um, like
2: that was a good training environment to practice that. Yeah. Work and to get you ready for an actual combat type, you know, stressful work-related situation because you're in the cold, you're kind of freaked out about it, but you're able to focus and control your breathing in a stressful environment. And I felt like that would be something that I could utilize at a fire if I found myself kind of freaked For sure. out. For sure. Yeah, it yeah.
0: keeps you right on the line and the edge of stress versus relaxed, mm-hmm. right? Like you're relaxed, Drillard. but ready to pounce, yeah. right? Because. Uh, what happened, I think, for anyone that needs to perform is you, you're kind of like, you get that adrenaline, you're excited, even, you know, anticipating what's to come, whether it's a sport, whether it's coming in to save a life. And if you start, your heart rate starts increasing, your breath rate starts increasing, your oxygen levels are being depleted, and like you're going to be able to perform a lot less um, just physically because your oxygen levels are lower once you get there on the scene. So if you can control that, lower your breathing level, lower your heart rate, like you're going to be ready to go once you get there. So
2: in route to a call. Yeah, and
0: I
1: I really like those kind of one to two ratios. So if you notice, um, so like the three, three, six is really because the natural pause up top is kind of counts as that one second, but three seconds in, six seconds out, it's that one to two ratio. If I want to be like a cold plunge one, um, or if I'm super amped up, right, a four to eight actually works out really good. So four seconds in, natural pause at the top, eight seconds out. Those ones are great because it's it keeps you enough, but it's still calming you down. You can kind of play with whatever numbers that you like, um, where if you go the opposite, it changes, right? So if I go a two to one, and I'm breathing in super long, and then out fastly, it's gonna you know, have the uh, adverse reaction, right, um, and so when you're showing up to the fire, and let's say it's a five-minute drive or something, doing that three-six uh, could be a great way to just like be alert but still staying calm um, to prevent that over
2: excessive emotional reaction. Which one would you recommend in the driveway when I get home so that I can be ready for That's dad good. life? And well, good life.
0: Even on the way back, right, uh, on the rig after uh, the you get done with the job, right, going back to the station, mm-hmm. like just, what we did in the ice bath, the last one is in for four, no hold out for eight. So anytime our exhales are twice as long, um, really longer at all, it's de-stressing, but if we can make them twice as long, super like down regulating our nervous system. And so just how, however long the trip is right back to the station, you can be down regulated, ready to maybe try and catch some rest or whatever you know you're stopping that cortisol and different things going on in your blood just at the station but i would use the same one when you get home you know as well so when even on the drive home that's one you can do driving which is perfect you do it in the driveway but but really i think for first responders um, we're going to have a a very specific protocol for our first responders from our sleep expert um, that people can shoot us a message about But really, and it's going to differ very person to person because our biology is different, but you want to have some sort of ritual when you get home, right? So having the breathing when you get home in the car for a few minutes is a great ritual. Then what's next? You know, do you take a cold shower, different things like that? So how do you really reset your circadian rhythm and uh, get ready to be home and be present with your loved ones
2: when you're there, um, which is super important? Yeah, like we always talk about, you know, operational readiness in our profession and you know, what does operational readiness look like for you at work? What does operational readiness look like for you at home? Um, you know, what do you want to be ready for? You know, you want to be ready for any call, you want to be ready for the, the folks on the rig that are you're working alongside, but you know, for most of us, the house and the home and the, the wife and kids or whatever, the family is the thing that we want to be ready for the most. And oftentimes in our profession, those folks are kind of neglected and, um, set, you know, kind of screwed over by our job that we've chosen, and they're they're not really getting a fair shake um, when we're coming home beat up from work, and they have to deal with an angry firefighter. So, um, this breath work is something that we can definitely focus on to help us not just at work and on calls at stress there, but to help us at home. And I, I think that's one of the main things that our folks are looking for too. Um,
1: yeah. Um, and you, so there's two parts in there too, is and you'd mentioned transitions. Um, and for me, a transition, um, I use a one minute transition and it's any time that you go from kind of one place or one situation or one task to another, and you could use this literally at any time. So if I go from the house to the car, maybe I need a transition for whatever reason, or if I go from work to lunch, you know, and mm-hmm. I want to just take a second. And this is literally in the car. And if you don't want to count for a minute or set a timer, it's typically like six deep breaths is a great, great way to start. Six deep breaths has a physiological change on the body. Um, just in through the nose, out through the nose would be perfect. Um, but it's kind of this one minute, you know, just for you saying you're coming home, maybe you had a couple of calls, maybe you're on the way home from a call. You can just kind of take that one minute transition and it's great for kind of gapping uh, a situation. So if, you were talking about your argument earlier and you got like super stressed and pissed off, right? You take a second, you de- like basically, hey, how did that go? It's probably not the way I wanted it to go. But then you kind of just sit down for a sec, take a one minute transition and then attack the next task. Whatever that task is, if it's family, if it's work, if it's a workout, what have you, and you're going to be better performed for whatever that, that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that driveway, perfect would be even six deep breaths. Um, and mm-hmm. then before bed um, could be the same thing. Another good protocol for bed is uh, like three, seven, eight. So mm-hmm. uh, three seconds in, seven at the top, and then eight seconds out. Uh, we haven't really talked about breath holds uh, yet, or at all yet, Um, but a breath hold can be great just for going um, parasympathetic too.
0: Another thing that's gonna be good for sleep, since that's, uh, is gonna be getting hot for you guys. So that's sauna, we use sauna. Um, so I know there's a lot of, always get questions on what type of sauna at at this point, we'll just say getting hot, however you can, is going to be beneficial for your sleep, you know, yeah, hot shower, hot tub, uh, steam, however you can to get hot, um, sometime as a part of before going to bed is going to be helpful for uh, resetting that circadian rhythm and you sleeping well when you need to sleep well. Um, And we'll have more specific stuff like for the whole protocol you guys can follow us and shoot us a message
2: yeah, and and on that too we're working on this still but um, the breath work, we really could benefit from some coaching like actual you know recordings of what we did in station four and things that we could use to play and listen to um, at home or at work because you know it's one thing to hear it on a podcast it's a totally different thing to actually implement this stuff and i know there's you know youtube videos or whatever apps and stuff but you guys definitely know what you're doing you've proven yourselves to us at station four everyone's a believer now in what you guys are are, are preaching and so i'm working to try to figure out a way that we can work with you to provide that for our folks so
1: yeah and i think that'd be great um and you know not only for you but it's like other firefighters too right so we can customize or do whatever you need um in terms of uh if it's 5 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever that looks like um but i think yeah a natural just transition into sauna i think would be yeah sure um the heat in general is is so big it's basically the opposite of what i was saying earlier with the cold plunge right we don't want to go 5 hours prior to bed because of temperature is one of those main reasons uh this is the opposite so getting that heat in. So our body is cooling down, um, at a faster rate than the normal. And so we can kind of get into that natural lower temperature as we go to sleep. Um, I believe the, the, in the heart of sleep, your body drops one degree Celsius, your body temperature drops one degree Celsius um, while we sleep. And so if we can kind of help that natural progression, um, with a sauna, with a hot tub, shower, um, sex honestly uh all those things will help that kind of natural um, body temp drop and sleep um but the the science on saunas and why we use them is again it's another tool so uh heat you know heat is a stressor The you get those um, heat shock proteins um if you're not looking at it from a science perspective it's just can i stay in the sauna right the grit of actually staying in there completing a task um our kind of general rule of thumb for sauna use is like 180 for 20, 180 degrees for 20 minutes. Uh, it's just a, an easy thing to remember. Uh, and you, of course, can play with different variations of that, uh, whether if you don't have 20 minutes, maybe you bump up some heat or just kind of play with it um, to get those benefits. And then kind of a little pro tip is what we like to add is the moment that you feel that, I'm like, okay, it's time to get out, try to stay for like three more minutes. And that little three more minutes not only hits like the grit um, ability to stay, but it really helps with the heat shock proteins. It really helps with the BDNF in the brain, uh, which stands for I think brain derived neurotropic factor. Neurotropic factor. <laughs> um, you know the, the gray matter in the brain. There, it really helps in those like three minutes because you really want to get out. A lot of the benefits just come from that little portion, um, rather than say the first fifteen minutes or mm-hmm. first seventeen minutes in mm-hmm. this example. Um, so just if maybe a challenge uh, for everyone is can you stay in for those three extra minutes when you're like so ready to get out um, caveat don't pass out or you know completely pass the limits in but
2: yeah so that's kind of one of the things that we've got to figure out still how do we do that at work or can we do that at work safely for I sure. don't know if that's possible the saunas we have now are the infrareds they get to about 130 degrees it's better than nothing but you're not getting that 180 for 20 minutes and Um we'd like to. Yeah. I just don't know if we can do that at work. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah, dip caveat, different
1: types of heat. Right. So infrared heat is not the same. When I referenced that it was dry sauna. So you kinda in the general theme of saunas you have a steam room, right? Um kind of wet sauna, if you will. The dry sauna, think of your cedar barrel sauna would be a great example. And then you have your infrared sauna. So infrared light doesn't get as hot, but it's a different type of heat. Um it heats internally rather than externally. So Um, some of the benefits are there, but a lot of the science and stuff has been on dry saunas.
0: Infrareds are super good for detoxing, though. So for firefighters in particular, there's benefits to both. Like, you probably want to detox from a lot of the chemicals, right, with carcinogens and cancer being pretty high. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of benefit to that one. And then with the dry sauna that Keaton was talking about, how I found all this work was I actually had a cardiac arrest at 34 years old. And uh, so, yeah, if you're sauna like Keaton was talking about, for 20 minutes above 180 degrees, four times a week there was a 20-year cardiology study done that decreased chance of death by heart incident by 63%. That wasn't accounting for any other measures, right, exercise or nutrition or anything, because as far as your heart's concerned, it it feels like that sauna is a cardiovascular workout. Your blood pressure increases, your heart rate increases. So it's like you're getting on a bike for 20 minutes as far as your heart's concerned Um, that's pretty cool for not doing any extra workouts you know and decreases chance of death by all cause all mortality by 40 percent just by sitting in a hot sauna um so that's yeah greg what was your number one killer within firefighters
2: cardiovascular Uh, that's right yeah i just um you know if we were to buy a sauna that gets 180 uh it'd be hard to pull that off on duty because folks would be so dehydrated or I don't know, we're, we're trying to figure this out. This whole station four experiment thing is kind of the tip of the spear when it comes to, you know, sleep and mental health and wellness for firefighters. And we've been doing, like I said, the diet and, and exercise part really well, this other stuff we're trying to figure out as we go along. And, you know, hopefully in the future we can, you know, have, uh, funding for more saunas or hotter saunas and, cold plunge machines and all this really cool stuff that we all see now as like the thing we want to make ourselves, you know, the best we can be and, um, to be the most combat effective firefighters we can be. Um, we're just not sure how to do that yet. Cause it hasn't really been done. And, you know, there's some concerns about just use your it,
3: credit card, Greg. Yeah. How does an on duty
2: firefighter go through these protocols and then run a call in an emergency and be sure. functional? And,
1: you know, it's not like there's going to be one one solution, right? Yeah. Like, the, just the flexibility and nature of the time with everyone is going to vary. Um, it You know, it could be something where they're at the station and you do it, you know, pre-shift, show up yeah. 30 minutes early, um, or right before you leave. Yeah. You know, you just hang out for an extra 30 minutes because you know that
2: this is going to help for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, I guess they said the same thing about getting us treadmills, and what if you're tired from a run and now you go to go on fire? I mean... I guess it could be. Yeah, but I mean, doing similarly. something healthy is yeah. going to be good
0: for you regardless of when it is, and your body's going to wake up when it needs to work. Like, if, But uh, kind of like what Keaton was saying, I think, I mean, if you, they were really worried about that, having the sauna as a part of the end-of-the-shift routine would really set you up for being at home. Cool. And, you know, ice bath probably at the beginning would probably. <laughs> yeah. Even and some be, of
3: the things that you've talked about In this process, sleep, cold, heat, breath work, even at a station where we don't have any of those things. I think you said some of it when you were at station four with us. Breathing you can do without anything. You don't need anything. A cold shower will
0: help. A hot shower before
3: you go to bed. I mean, there are some things we can implement now with our folks, even if we don't have any of those big resources or we're working towards getting that way i think
2: Mm -hmm. i've
3: been since you guys came through the station i've just been trying the cold shower thing running my hot tub more which is awesome
0: there you go but
3: i mean there there are things i think that we can pull out of that before we get that ten thousand dollar cold plunge thing that you're gonna build from spare parts (laughs) from nasa or whatever
1: yeah and um I mean, cold punches are easy, right? Like, but just being realistic, a 20 minute sauna session for the average firefighter is not going to be detrimental physically to them. Like, you're going to be able to, you might be sweaty, you know, before you go out to the call. Who cares? Um, If you're doing like two hours in the sauna, like, yeah, that might have an effect. (laughs) Um, and, And there's like, and maybe there's a protocol for that. Like we, there's one to boost T levels, but you're probably not going to do that on shift, right? Mm-hmm. 20 minutes in the sauna, you're going to be fine if you're the average firefighter. And it's the same thing as we want to move. We need to move. And, um, you need to work out. And so if you do a good workout session, like it's the same thing that you just brought up. Like you need to be, whether it's weights or whatever you're doing for your workout, like you need to stay fit and healthy so you can perform your job. It's the same thing. Just think of it as now you're, preventing a 20 year issue or you're you're creating a 20, 30, 40 year solution rather. Yeah, you
2: talked about brushing your teeth and how it's just, you know, not even a, a conscious decision. It's not um, you know, something you have to practice. It becomes a habit. It becomes just a way of life. That's yeah. what we need to incorporate some of these things like brushing your teeth.
1: For sure. I mean like Vito just said with the shower. Like everyone probably takes a shower probably once a day, let's say as average. If you make it cold, boom, you didn't add any time. So one of the things that we say with habits is can you do it without adding things? You see all these like get fit, you know, in seven minutes or eight minutes, whatever, right? It's eight minute apps. Sorry, eight minute apps, yeah. So, okay, maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. But um, if you can do them, like I get made fun of for brushing my teeth for like five minutes, but I have to brush my teeth like two times a day. So what can I do if I'm already doing that? to do those things. Maybe it's switching it to my left hand. I'm right-hand dominant, so I'm gonna build some pathways and switch to my left hand. Maybe it's moving my toes or moving my ankles or getting just loose for the day in the morning and kind of doing a, an all-joint mobility as I brush my teeth. Maybe it's breathing through my nose you know, forcefully uh, or starting a certain protocol as I brush my teeth. And obviously that's brushing my, your teeth is just a clear example of something that we already do during the day without adding any additional time um, and then as soon as that habit is formed, then you're good. You don't have to think about it. It doesn't take up energy to make the decision. Um, and it's just something that you do and it becomes who you are. No one has a great, um, kind of, um, table on your identity and how you identify as a person in creating habits.
0: Oh, you want me to cover that now? Uh,
1: uh I it just, it's a simple way of how you identify as a person that it's basically, mm-hmm. You know, I am a healthy person rather than I do healthy things. Um, And so if you can adopt that mindset on simple stuff like that, then we always say, like, it's the little things that make the big changes, right? If I can't do the little things right, then I'm not going to be able to do the big things.
2: Yeah, you can't let a donut get past security or whatever, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, like,
1: like, how often do you, you know, clean your trucks or take care of your gear or you know, prep your stuff before a work call, you know, whatever, right? Like there's all these things. It's the same thing. I need to prep my breath before the day. I need to take the cold shower to make sure that I'm efficient and learning appropriately and, you know, doing all the things and making sure that my timing is right. It's not necessarily adding steps. It's just doing things more efficiently.
0: Yeah. It's really, I mean, uh, the guy, uh, the book Atomic Habits talks about it, but it's really about identity and belief of who you are. Right. So I am a healthy person. Uh, However, you want to frame that instead of "I do healthy things." Most people that want to get a result, it's like "I do this to have this," right? Uh, But the problem with that building your paradigm like that is, if you fail, if something you do fails and you don't get the result, then that means you're bad at what you do, right? And so that's why people do diet things and say, "Oh, well, that didn't work." Well. if you believe that you're a healthy person, you'll find another one that works and you'll mm-hmm. keep failing yeah. until you find it. Versus like, if you're like, oh, like I do healthy things, then, oh, that didn't work for me. So I'm not going to try it again because I failed. And that must mean I'm not a healthy person. So uh, that's just kind of what Keaton was alluding to. Yeah, it didn't um, answer in the spot. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I that think... sounds
2: like something that our young guys would really yeah. uh, uh, identify with, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't think they need to maybe practice all this crazy stuff now because they feel fine. But long-term effects, those are things you can prevent by being a healthy person that does healthy things. Well, how
0: do you have a firefighter career like LeBron James? You right. you know, right? You're in it for the long haul. Yeah. People that have been doing this for a long time.
3: I think you grab your knee and roll around on the ground <laughs> yeah. got tapped or something. I, mean, I think we're like bumping up on time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, and well, and so like, part of the reason too is we start with the simple stuff and that's kind of the core of, of what we do because it is so simple. I mean, yeah. we have certain tools, right? But you start with the breath and you start with like sauna and ice or cold shower and hot tub or whatever that means for you. It's simple, easy, and it's probably not going to take too much time or money out of your day. Um, and, and you could build on it from there. Like a lot of stuff that we didn't get into too is, you know, the cognitive fitness piece. How can you perform under stress effectively and how could you build that pathway? to make sure that you're um, emotionally stable on the response and, you know, your fine motor skills don't leave you, right, um, quickly under stress and those types of things we could do and build up in a controlled environment. Um, You know, we didn't talk about, like, extra recovery in terms of, like, oxygen therapies or IV Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, teamwork just in general. Like, obviously the the stations are in teams 24-7, you know how can we work on communication or leadership skills or anything like that? So, um, those are all things that we try to incorporate and can incorporate too, as as things go down the
2: line or separate podcast or whatever. Awesome. Yeah, I mean the world's a crazy place now. It's stressful. There's twenty four hour news cycles. There's social media, phones, it's email, black all corner. that stuff. Even if you're not running a million calls at night at the firehouse, it's still a stressful world, and we need to train not just our bodies to be healthy and able to do our jobs but we need to train our brains to do it as well and that's where you guys definitely fit in and that's what we're trying to do here with this station four thing being almost like a sabbatical in a way at least from the sleep uh, deprivation portion and get folks to try out all these new things that we're trying to share with the whole department um so thank you guys so much for your time
3: yeah sam's not here and but he usually wraps this up By saying, what what podcasts are you listening to? What books are you guys reading that, real quick, you could recommend?
0: Uh, A good start. I always tell people that are interested in anything that we had to say is uh, a book called uh, Breath by James Nestor. Breath or Breathe. I don't know. It's a yellow book. Is it Breath?
1: It's got some lungs on the front. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yellow book by James Nestor. It's a good overview of the land of breathing. Uh, It's really good. And then Wim Hof has a book as well, I believe, called Wim Hof that talks about his method and his life story as well. Um, yeah, I, I really like Dr. Belize's book, Breathing for Warriors. She's That's fantastic yeah.
1: and breaks it down on some just interesting and cool techniques that you can use. Um, I just finished Outlive by Peter Attia, Dr. Peter Atia. Uh, it's a long read, but it's very good. It talks about the four horsemen, diabetes and neurogenitive diseases being two of them um, that we discussed today and how they're affecting us and how we can do things in our 20s that are affecting us in our 50s. Um, so getting a sense of longevity there I think is really big because you know, this isn't the cool alpha thing to do, but in reality it's, it is cool, we promise. Um, and then honestly, Dr. Kelly McGonigal just uh, put out the joy of movement and uh, it's fantastic in terms of just getting your bodies to move even if it's not a super hard physical workout, if you're on shift or something, but literally just moving our bodies and honestly stop sitting in chairs. Um, <laughs> so, those are the, some some great reads that I've been touching on lately. A couple
0: of podcasts, probably Huberman Lab, check him out. Yes, and then super good. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has a lot on sauna as well, are some good ones. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks,
1: you guys. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Guys. Um, check us out at Tribe Summits on Instagram. And uh, we're happy to answer any other questions that you guys have. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it.